Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. The grace of God. This massive idea for Christians that God would save us not because we have deserved it, but because He is kind and because of something Jesus did many, many years ago. It's His work. It's His action. And He gives it to us free without us deserving it. That is the the big idea of Christianity that makes Christianity different from every other religion. But many of us have a vague idea of grace. And in this series, we're talking about the aspects of grace. We've called them grace notes. You know, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 speaks of grace as being multicolored, multi-textured, manifold. And yet many of us just see grace as one thing, And so we have said there are aspects of grace that must be understood. Let me give you an example. Imagine you're at the theater and you're watching something on the stage and you're hearing the sound, the music, uh, and it's just a big noise to you. You're not really thinking about it. It's, It's just a large noise. You're benefiting from it. You're enjoying the music. But then at the end of the show, somebody draws back the curtains and you see the orchestra that was playing behind the stage. And you see the oboes and the cellos and the drums and the keyboards and all the different aspects. And you realize within that music, there were grace notes. There were small and large notes. There was variation. There was high and low And we've looked at that during this series. We've spoken about how there are so far three main parts of grace. There's God's kindness, pity, mercy. That was the first part. Then we said there is a justice part where God said, I'm going to make this just and legal and correct that I forgive you. And it's essential that we get those two. If we only have one or the other, we haven't fully enjoyed and received grace. And then the third one was God's abundance or empowering grace, where it's not just making you no longer guilty, but he then empowers us to be abundant. And the Bible talks about us reigning in righteousness, reigning in life through grace, this over provision of God. That was the third one. And we need all of those because if we don't have them, we haven't fully understood But this fourth one is part of that idea of pulling back the curtain and seeing behind the scenes. Imagine you see that orchestra and you see a mercy section and a justice section and an abundance empowering section. But then you realize there is a conductor. (laughs) There is somebody conducting the whole thing. They dreamed it up at the start and they are controlling. And even though there are aspects of grace, there is somebody behind it. There is a hidden hand. There is a controller. And today we're looking at the eternity aspect of grace. This idea of eternity is that if you pull back the curtains on time and space, That means when you look out into the world, you see creation, you see nature, you see other people, you see events, and you see time ticking along through history. And that is time and space. And you see that and it's like a play before your eyes and you say how wonderful it is. But if we draw back the curtain, there is something unseen or hidden behind time and space called eternity. And I want to just talk about that today. 
to try and help us understand. So let me start with my first verse. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, He, God, has saved us. He's rescued us. We were perishing. He has saved us, like somebody who's drowning and somebody pulls them out and keeps them alive. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. This is the idea of God calling to us and drawing us to himself. And this is the first hint we have of this hidden backstage behind the scenes world, this eternal realm where God is calling us. I thought I chose him. I thought I was the one who said, yes, God, I want to believe in you. But I realized he was calling me with a holy calling. God is calling from behind the scenes, from eternity. But if you know it's there and you listen for it, you realize, ah, yes, yes, he was calling me. All throughout my life, he was drawing me. He was wooing me. So he has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. So that's this idea that grace is not something I deserve and I haven't earned it. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, Purpose and grace. Let me just deal with those words quickly. Purpose is, you know, when we speak of God's will in the Bible, again, it's a bit like grace. You can think of God's will as just one uh, bland thing, a, a single textured thing, but actually his will is variegated as well. There is two main Greek words. I'm not going to go into all the aspects of it right now, but just to tell you that there is a Greek word called thelema, and it's got various versions in the New Testament. And that is often translated God's will, but it means his desire, what he wants to happen, but what may not happen because there are other people involved. And then there is a Greek word boule or boulemai or boulema, uh, variants of that word. And it's sometimes also uh, pro prothesis or prothetomai. Uh, these words mean his purpose will, his purpose. The thing that he has decided that he's going to do, and it doesn't matter if you or I get involved, his purpose. And it's important that we understand the difference. The one is his want, his desire. So God's Thelema will. Some examples of this. 1, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants it. It's his will. But we know that not all men do because we have to receive the gift. Another one is Matthew 18 verse 14. Even so, it is not the will, the desire, the thelema of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. But we know that some do. He, his desire. Uh, we have to marry our desire with his and then something happens. So John 7, 17 says, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. I've got a thelema to do his thelema and then the two meet. That's the, that's the desire will of God, but then the purpose will of God. Um, this word prothesis um, or protithemi, it's, it's, it's a it's a, it's a purpose that he has set in place and he has decided he will do it. And it's sometimes counsel, translated counsel in the Old Testament and the New Testament, sometimes purpose, uh, but it means something God has decided to do. So back to our verse. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace 
which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God has given us his purpose and his grace, his gift, his kindness. And it says they were given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And I just want to spend a few moments explaining to you that this little phrase, before time began, means the curtains are being opened. We're seeing backstage. We're seeing eternity. We're seeing a realm that is different to this current space and time. Please stay with me. You know, sometimes we want uh, Bible teaching to be simple. And that's why sometimes we look at this concept of grace and we want it to be one color, one shade, one idea but it's manifold, it's multicolored, there are grace notes, and we need to dig in to understand these things. It says God gave us grace, He gave us His purpose before time began. Now, this is a hard concept for us to understand. Let me just, first of all, take those words at face value. That's the New King James translation of a little phrase in Greek, pro chronos ionios. Pro means before or above. Chronos means time. And Ionios means eternal or eternity. And before time began, let's just imagine there is time. I've used, I brought this ruler here so that you can see this is time. And there's the beginning of time and there's the end of time. The beginning of time is when God said, let there be right at the start. And from then onwards, it says there was the first day, the second day. There were no days before that. There was no time before that. And at the end is Revelation chapter 20, where it says uh, in Peter, it says that everything is melted by fire. It's all destroyed. And then we in Revelation 20, we're standing at the judgment seat of God and everybody who's ever lived is there. Every single human being is there at the end. So beginning and end time. That's what we understand. We are, we are creatures of time. We only understand thinking in time. But now, if there's no time here, how can you say before time? Because before is a time word. <laughs> there's no before if there's no time. You see, we are so conditioned to think of time as ticking along in a linear way that we just think there is the whole of time and then eternity is just a longer ruler over here. But actually, that's not right. Eternity, the definition of eternity, if you look in any Greek dictionary of Bible words, it means where time does not exist, the eternal present. And so rather than thinking of eternity as being after time or before time, it's all around. It's this is eternity. It's all around time. And so when somebody dies here, when Jesus dies here and he, and he is crucified and he goes to heaven, the Bible can then say he is slain from the foundation of the world. Well, no, he wasn't slain there, oh, but he's in eternity, this timeless thing. If somebody gets judged here, you know, nobody can go to heaven or hell before judgment day. And so we would think that now we're here in time. And so there's nobody in heaven or hell now because judgment day hasn't happened yet. And yet we see many instances throughout the Bible of people seeing into heaven and seeing people there. Uh, Ephesians 3 verse 15 says we have family in heaven and on earth right now. So time, time is linear, but eternity is all around. And the Bible says that God gave us grace from before time time began, that can't be right, pro chronos ionios, 
before, pro, chronos time, eternal. I believe it's trying to say from outside of time. God has given us this grace from outside. It's like the curtain has been drawn back and God has said, look, from my realm of eternity, where I dwell, where I rule, where I reign, where my will is done in heaven, uh, exactly as I want it to be done, I have broken into time. My hand has broken through from eternity into time and space. And I have given you grace in the form of Jesus, this verse says. But we're going to see that when we believe and accept this gift of God, we get put into his purpose. And it's like God was working to save me from the beginning of my life, to keep me throughout my life and to make sure that I'm with him to the end. And this is the last grace note, that there's a hidden hand, there is a conductor, there is a bigger force and a bigger idea working in my life to keep me close to God. And so from my perspective, it feels like God chose me before I was even born, but it's because there's this difference between time and eternity, and I can't quite understand the two, but God is working in my life at all times. So let's go to the The next big idea, Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Did you see there's a very great similarity between those two verses? The one we just read uh, says that in 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, it says, He called us according to his purpose before time began. This one says, All things are working together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. They're linked. And it says that when I'm in that group of people who have received God's gift, all things are working together for my good. This is amazing. This is a bigger picture of grace. It's like sitting in the theater and hearing the different notes and variations in the music. And then the curtains pulled back. And suddenly I realize not just that the conductor was conducting the music, but he was working in my life to give me his blessings and his grace. And he's much bigger than I could ever have imagined. What does it mean that he works all things together for my good? It means he is getting involved. He is breaking through from eternity to make sure that I am kept close to him, that I'm growing in him and that I will see this journey through to the very end. Listen to how this passage goes on. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew. What does it mean he foreknew? Well, when he's in eternity, he can see the beginning from the end. He can see everything that's happened. And because I die somewhere along this line or I go to heaven at the end, I'm in eternity with him. So it's almost like he knew from the beginning (laughs) because it's it's a different realm. And so for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It feels like God was organizing things. There's a hidden hand in all of my life pushing me towards him to be conformed to the image of a son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, now listen to this. It talks about it all in the past tense as if it's already happened, as if I've already become a Christian and gone to heaven, but I haven't yet. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, whom he called, he justified, 
whom he justified, he glorified. It's like I'm already in heaven, but I'm living here on earth. How is that possible? This reminds me of the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where it talks about God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity in the hearts of men, but no one can know his works from beginning to end except him. That's, that's the idea here, is that he is working and even though I'm on this timeline, there's a part of me, eternity in the hearts of men, there's a part of me that is seated in heaven already with him. And I am part of his heavenly family. And yet I'm still here on earth. And so he's working on my behalf. It says, uh, those he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. This is a bigger idea of grace. You may have thought of grace as just God's mercy or just his justice in Jesus paying your penalty or maybe his abundant empowering in helping you. But it says here that it's bigger than that. He's working all things together. He's working in your life from beginning to end. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Wow, this is a different idea of grace. And it makes me secure. It makes me confident. Let me read on. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I'm seated with him in heavenly places even now. He will give us all things. Friends, this will open your mind to a different aspect of grace. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. And it goes on to say we are more than conquerors, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Why? Because of this eternal aspect of grace where God is getting involved and he's working all things. It says nothing. Height neither death nor life, angels or principalities, things present, things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I'm just going to close with saying, what do we do about this? How do we live therefore? And I'm going to read a passage from Second Peter chapter 1. It says, for this very reason, uh, what is the reason it's talking about God's mercy that he's given to us? For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So we receive it by faith, but then it says now start adding to that, add virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. That means you stay till the end. Uh, to, to perseverance, uh, godliness being more and more like God, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. It says we start to develop in Christ because of this gift that he's given us. But now listen, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says he wants you to be fruitful in this grace that he's given you. But now listen, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. It says that if we lack these things, if we're not growing in this grace, if we take the grace of God in vain, which means he's given it to us, but we don't allow it to work through us in our lives, then we are short-sighted 
That means we, we haven't really understood what he's done. He has cleansed us. We've forgotten that he's cleansed us from our sins. And it says even to blindness, it's possible that we could get so hard-hearted that we reject God and we, we divorce him. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will enter into heaven. He says, if you keep letting God's grace work through you and you grow in godliness and love and brotherly kindness and knowledge and all these things, if you add to your faith and you add to the fact that you cleanse from your sins, all this character of Christ, then you will never stumble. You will enter into heaven. You won't be short-sighted and blind. You will grow and grow and grow in God. And so we've got to take all the aspects of grace together. You can't just take mercy or justice. You can't just take the fact that he chose us and he's working from eternity. There's also the empowering part where I've got to do my part and allow his power to flow through me. I just want to say that his hand, this hidden hand that has broken through from eternity to save us is so strong that you don't have to live in fear that you're going to lose your salvation. Now, there are many passages in the Bible that say it is possible for a Christian to stop being a Christian. But I want to say to you that the Bible says it is so difficult for that to happen. Let me give you a couple of verses that I like to use. Number one, in John chapter 10, Jesus said that no one will be able to snatch you out of God's hand. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. God has got you. You can rest in this. You know, when you were far from him, he gave you that initial desire to come to him, that initial grace, that initial calling. He drew you to himself. Uh, and he's going to hold on to you. He's bigger. He's greater. So no one can snatch you out of his hand. But then there's an even greater aspect to us. Isaiah 49, 16 says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Not only am I in his hand, but he's, he's indelibly written or inscribed me into his hand. And then there's an even further aspect. Ephesians 5, verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. I'm not just in his hand. I'm not just written on his hand. I am his hand. We are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Now, the Bible does say that we can reject him, but it is so hard. He is working to keep us. His power is so strong that he saved us when we were far from him and enemies of him. He can keep us. You can rest in him. But we need to just stay plugged in. We need to just say, God, whenever I stumble, whenever I fall, Lord, I'm coming back to you. Lord, I need you. And as long as we stay abiding in the vine, as long as we just keep calling out for his mercy, he is there and he will hold you and he will keep you. Now, this series we've done on grace notes is so important. I've said right the way through that without understanding grace, we're not really in true Christianity. It's a gift 
I've said that every other religion and philosophy says do, 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 do your works, do your religion, do your best, and maybe you will get to heaven. But grace and true Christianity says it's done, D-O-N-E. God has done it all. He paid the price. He has bought you. Uh, it doesn't rely on you or your activity or your works. We've got to understand this. Then we've got to understand the aspects of grace, which are all different to each other. And they merge together into a beautiful piece of music. But friend, I just want to say to you that the bottom line of grace is humility. The bottom line of receiving grace is humility. In James chapter 4, it says God gives more grace he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is the bottom line of it. Whenever somebody came to Jesus who was proud and who thought they didn't need help, who thought they had obeyed all the rules correctly, Jesus was quite strong with him. He opposed the proud. But whenever someone came to him, no matter how bad a sinner they were, no matter how many times they'd sinned and failed, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, uh, the, the multitudes who needed help. Every time someone came and said, I need help, Jesus forgave them. Friend, the sign that you are in Christ is your humility and you're saying, I need a savior. But then once we've received that and we've understood our need, we are bold. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy because God is a God of grace. It's a throne of grace. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I recognize my need. I ask you to forgive me. I receive your power. I thank you that you've been working behind the scenes throughout my life to keep me close to you. And Lord, right now, I trust you to help me to go further with you and to do great things in grace. Use me for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, we love you. LeadingLightsNetwork.com is here and we are here to help you, to pray with you. Please have a look at our mobile app and our website and get in touch with us. We're praying for you and God has such great things in store for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit LeadingLightsNetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.